0: Turn in the book of Mark. Did I tell you? Mark chapter number eight. In Mark chapter number eight, I want you to look at this passage of scripture with me. And what a blessing! Uh, it is to be in the house of the Lord I'm glad that you 're here. Some of you have been away on vacation and and uh, I, I I appreciate the opportunity for folk to be away on the family, some with the coast, some with the mountains, some with the lakes, and we have others out i 'm sure already uh, today but uh, let 's encourage folk and uh, find out why they 're not here if they happen to be sick we don 't want to miss them thinking they 're on vacation. But we're glad that all of you are here. Good to have guests and visitors, friends who've brought friends. Jerry and Janet have a friend with them this morning. and glad that uh, Dina's here this morning with them. And appreciate all of you being in the house of the Lord. In the book of Mark, chapter number 8. In Mark chapter 8, so many wonderful things through this chapter. But I do want to begin the reading at verse number 27. Mark chapter 8, verse 27. And Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. By the way, he asked his disciples, saying unto them, Whom do men say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, but some say Elias, and others one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Peter answered and saith unto him, Thou art the Christ. And he charged them that they should tell no man of him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he spake that saying openly and Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall be saved. For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him also shall the son of man be ashamed when he cometh in glory, in the glory of his uh, of his father with the holy angels. Will you bow with me for prayer? Father, I want to thank you for the singing of the choir this morning, the congregation, and for Brother Timmy. Thank you, blessed Lord Jesus, for the privilege of being here. And I pray, God, that right now, God, that you'd speak to my heart and the heart of all these gathered in the building and in the radio audience and in the internet audience. I pray, God, that Lord, you'd speak to our hearts. God, speak to me. I pray, God, you'd purge me. And Lord, I've sought your face this morning. We've prayed and asked that you'd speak. And God, this is your work. This is your people. And I, Father, we pray, God, that people this morning would be drawn into your very presence. And God, that this morning you'd do an unusual work. I pray, God, that you'd speak to hearts. And God, that you'd deal with those who may not know Christ, that they may come under conviction and be saved. And those of us who are saved, that God, you'd speak to us and we'll thank you and praise and give you glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. Here's an account that's recorded in three of the Gospels, in what's called the Synoptic Gospels, this, this conversation that takes place. As you read the book of Matthew, as he's asked the question, who do men say that I am? Matthew, and that adds a little bit to what Peter said. Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then the Lord Jesus Christ said, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed this unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven, and then he goes on and gives about the church, that he's going to build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so when you go through the Gospels from time to time, you'll find that there are differences in narration in, in the story, the narrative of the story. You'll find that, that uh, some say one thing and some say another. One of our questions that's been asked on Wednesday nights, is uh, about in regard to things that appear in one passage and they seem to be different in another. For instance, uh, the question that was raised was about the lepers, about the uh, the, the demoniac, uh, the Gadarean demoniac. That is, the, when the Lord crossed the sea, the one passage says that there was a young man or a man who came to him and he was full of demons and he couldn't be bound with chains and everything and God healed him. And, and uh, you, that's the story about where the Lord cast the demons out of the, the man and into the hog into the swine and they go run over the hill and commit hogicide, you know, and they all die. And the town comes, they're so excited about that boy being, being delivered. They forget all about that. And they are worried about their hogs and they tell Jesus to leave. We don't want you in the area anymore. And so, uh, but in another passage, for instance, in the book of Mark, it says that there were two of those men. And why is that? Well, it's because that there are different emphases by each writer. Uh, Matthew's interested in presenting Jesus Christ as King of Kings. Mark is interested in presenting Jesus as a son of man. And then so on through the gospels, are differences. And then the stories are explained. For instance, if I were to go fishing with Brother Danny Wood or Danny McLammy, the one, or whoever I went fishing with, we tell different stories. Uh, For instance, if if I went and I caught a great big old bass, and then Danny caught one that was bigger than mine, when I told the story, I'd tell you all about my bass, how big he was, and how, how much he weighed. And I said, you know, and Danny caught one too. But now if Danny told the story, Danny would tell about how big his was and, and say, and Brother Billy caught one a little bit smaller than mine. Well, that both of us would tell the truth. It's just different emphasis. You know what I'm talking about? And so t- sometimes you do that. And in this passage of scripture, though, that we interested in this, this morning, I want you to look at what the Lord says to Peter in that passage of scripture. The Lord Jesus Christ. Has asked that question, who do men say that I am? And they, they said, some say that you're, you're John the Baptist, resurrected. Some say you're Elias, and some say you're the prophet. He said, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter speaks up and he says this, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know what I found out about, you know what I found out about Peter? Peter, he was a man of great contrast. Man, one minute he is right on target, and the next minute he's got his foot in his mouth. And I feel the same way. I, I'm, I'm that way sometimes. It seems like, boy, I'm I, you know, right on the mountaintop. Next thing, I make the biggest mess you've ever seen. I appreciate this, this apostle Peter, don't you? That he's so much like us sometimes. But in this particular passage of Scripture, he gives that wonderful statement, Thou art the Son of God. You are the Christ, the Messiah of Israel. And then turns right around, and the Lord begins to explain to them that He has come to suffer and to bleed and to die and to give his life a ransom. And he's gonna be buried, but he's gonna be resurrected. And then Peter, the Bible said Christ said that openly. In other words, he was saying it right around in front of everybody that was there. And the Bible says that Peter rebuked the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, Lord, you don't need to say that. You rebuke that. And the Bible says that Christ turned around and looked on his disciples. And then he said to Simon, look what he said down in verse number 33. He said, get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but the things of men. I want to look at that little thought there that caught my attention. The things that be of God. And the things that be of men. What a, what a statement. When you begin to look at that and look at that here, here is the things of God and the things of men. He said, you savor, you savors not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. That word, that word savor is, is, a, is a wonderful word. You and I don't use it a whole lot. Uh, but that word savor has a lot of different meanings, a lot of different emphasis. For instance, it means that which excites the taste and smell. It is that which you take delight in, the thing that you like or that thing that you have great pleasure in. It, 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 that word savor renders value to something. For instance, in the New Testament where he talks about salt, he said the salt is lost its savor. It's not good for anything but be trodden out, uh, thrown out and trodden underfoot. It adds value to things. And then it, it, that, that, that savor is that which uh, in a passage in the book of Genesis makes it acceptable to God. It says it became a sweet smelling savor in the in nostrils of God. It is, has to do with that that is craved or that that is satisfying or that that is pleasing or that thing that you focus on. In this passage of scripture, he said, you savor not the things of God. If you have a Schofield Bible, Dr. Schofield has a marginal reference and he makes reference to the fact that it says, thou art, you're thinking like man's thoughts and not like God's thoughts. In other words, you look at things like God, like man sees instead of what God sees them." He said to Simon Peter, you're, you're, you're desiring, you're taking pleasure in, you have an appetite for the things of men but not for the things of God At that particular juncture. Uh, the word savor has to do with you, add value to it. Now, I happen to like, and I'm going to watch your faces. I happen to really like pickle pig feet. I knew you was going to do that. Some of you, some of you, your lips went to water right there. Boy, you could, if you had a soda can or Pepsi Cola, you'd be in hog heaven right now, hog foot, one or the other. You'd love it. But not, not a whole lot of people in here, that didn't excite many of you. Now, if I'd have talked about watermelon or, or beefsteak or, uh, you know, ribeye or whatever, that might have been a different story. Because, see, your taste adds value to something. You see, things in their have really no value. They, things are not good nor bad. You, you, you pick out anything you want to. It's not good or bad. An automobile is not good or bad it's not good or evil money is not good or evil things are not evil and he said but you're 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 focusing on the things of man not on the things of god it's, and things in, in in value you know things if, you know guys that love to fish now you tell me you tell me what, which is more valuable a bucket of crickets or a bottle of chanel number no. 5 or 9 or whatever it is now which one did you rather have there's no contest if you're a woman. But, it, you know, it's values. It's the values you place on something. I never have figured out why diamonds are more valuable than anything else. It's a, it's a mineral. It's a stone. And it, it's, it's a beautiful stone. And it ha- but I, I don't understand why men have valued that. It is something men's done. I mean, if you were in certain places in the world... And it was a certain time. Say, say, if you were in the Sahara Desert and you were dying and you had a handful of diamonds and a guy had an eight-ounce bottle of water, which you think would be more valuable to you? See, it's a relative thing. It, it, it depends on what the conditions are. It depends on your own attitude toward it. And so he is not rebuking us for having things or even having an interest in things. But he said, you you have to be careful that you don't savor, desire, have an appetite or find great pleasure in the things of men and not in the things of God. God has a purpose for us. And beauty is the same way. Some things are beautiful to one person and, and some things are beautiful to another person. They see things differently. And all of that has to do with it. But he said here in this passage of scripture that it is imperative for us to think and put value to things that God's puts value to. And as a Christian, that's certainly so. Now, I want to say to you in this passage of Scripture that when he talks about the things of God, he's talking a thing, about the things that God is pleased with. He's talking about the things that isn't, are important to God. He's talking about the things that God has put great value in. And the things that you and I put value in are quite different than the things that God puts value in. You and I have to come to that place where we see things as God did. Let's just think in the Bible about it for a few minutes, about the contrast of man's value and God's value. God created Adam, put him in a perfect environment, gave him all the the fruit of the garden to eat, every herb that he'd ever need, everything to sustain his life, gave him the most pure water that has ever been, most beautiful environment. There were no thorns, no thistles. He could walk through those gardens. And my, look at the flowers here this morning, Sister Opal's gift. They're so beautiful. But in the garden, everything was beautiful. Everything, there was no, no, nothing, the curse had not fallen. It was a perfect environment. God had made him a perfect woman. And there they were. And God said to them, you can have everything in this garden except the knowledge of the, the fruit of the knowledge of the tree, a tree of knowledge, good and evil. Everything. Everything. All that he had, that's all he had to do was just enjoy everything that God had. And God gave one, little question mark of obedience. And Adam and Eve looked at that tree and the Bible says, when they saw that it was good for food, it was pleasant to the sight and it was good to make one wise. They took of that one thing. You see, they valued the pleasantness of the sight of it, the taste of it and the, the, the wisdom that it might give over their obedience to God. The Lord said in one place of scripture to obey is better than Sacrifice. Man places great emphasis on labor and sacrifice, but God said, just simply obey me. Another story. There's two boys in the Bible that were basically twins. Jacob and Esau, Esau and Jacob. Esau was the oldest. And there came an occasion when uh, the oldest child was to be in charge of the whole family's wealth and the whole family, every decision to be made that would eventually fall on Esau. And he would receive the birthright and and the blessing. But he'd been out one day and he came in. He was hungry. Jacob had, had cooked a, a big pot of porridge, a big brummick stew, or whatever you want to call it. And when he came in, he was hungry. Esau was hungry. And he said to, he said to his brother, give me some of that porridge. Give me some of that brummick stew. He said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you a big old bowl of brummick stew. If you'll give me your birthright. Now, listen to how foolish he was. He said, well, what good would birthright do me if I starve to death? Stand right here. He said, so, yes, you can have it. He traded his birthright and the blessing of being the firstborn for a little bowl of stew. And, And in God's estimation, the birthright was worth much more than that bowl of stew. But that's kind of the way men think. Men think that way. And God, and the Lord Jesus Christ is rebuking uh, Peter here. And he's saying, you've got not to think like a man thinks. You've got to learn to think like God thinks. You've got to learn to think. In in the New Testament, there's another story that parallels this story. And it's a man who God had blessed or, and and he had great crops and he had filled all his barns up. And the Lord, and and, and he said this, he said, what am I going to do with all of my goods? What am I going to do with all these blessings? Now, if he'd have thought like God thought. God had met all of his need. God blessed him, gave him over abundance. He could, have, he could have fed the whole community. But he thought like a man, and here's what he said. He said, i tell you what I'll do. He said, I'm going to tear my barns down, and he said, I'm going to build bigger barns. I'm going to have to build bigger barns, so I can hide all of my stuff in that barn and hoard it all. And the Bible says, the Lord said to him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, and then who shall these things be? You see, he was thinking like a man instead of thinking like God thinks. He's putting value in things instead of what God put value in. And you and I have to be careful. Now I'll, I'll give you a, a word of warning for me and for you who know Christ, not just for lost people. If you'll notice this passage of Scripture, when when He rebuked Simon Peter, and He said, "You're thinking like a man. You savor the things. Uh, you don't say the things. You save the things of a man, and not things of God." Then he said he called the people and the disciples to himself. And then he gives them a wonderful truth. He wanted them to understand that this truth is, is to be applied to the saint and to the lost person. To a person who knows Christ and to the person who doesn't know Christ. You have to learn to think like God thinks. And I wonder how many people in this building, how many people in the internet, how many people in the radio audience think with the mind of Christ. You value things as Christ values things. You have a taste for things that Christ would have you to have a taste for. You receive pleasure from something that would please God. Well, let's just go through and pick out a few and just see. When you think about God's value in things and man's value in things, man values the sensual, the senses, sight, touch, taste, things that satisfy the body and the mind, the mind. Those type of things. Those things that satisfy you. S- your sensual desires. Your emotional needs. And all those things. All, y- men are interested. The Bible says in the last days there will be some whose belly will be their gods. That, the sensual. They, men think that way. That's the way the world thinks. If you look at it in the world, that's the way they think. They're interested in gratification of the flesh. Now... Understand this, you're praying the Lord, and the the model prayer of the Lord said, Give us this day our daily bread. Did you know, how many of you know that you need to eat? How many of you know that you need to drink? How many know that God provides all those things for you? And there's nothing wrong with food, there's nothing wrong with drink, there's nothing wrong with automobiles, there's nothing wrong with enjoying God's creation. David said, When I consider the heavens, the moons, the stars, what is man that thou art mine for him? David spent a lot of time outdoors. Lord Jesus Christ caught fish and fed his disciples fish. I don't think there's anything wrong with fishing. I go to these meetings and the all the time preaching against fishing. And I said, you know why he did that? And why they talked about Peter going fishing so bad? Because they had not invented golf. It had been golf then. But uh, thank God. But listen, there's nothing wrong with those things. But he said, he said, men, that's their consuming desire. Is to satisfy the physical and to satisfy the Their their needs, physical needs, or the emotional needs. Men value the sensual. God values the spiritual. The spiritual part of man. The man had all these treasures. All of these things. But what was really important was the spiritual thing. Notice something else. Man values success. And God values service. I mean, it's, it, people talk about being a success in their field. I do believe this. I believe God wants you to be your very best. I believe God wants you to apply yourself in whatever area God's put you in. If you're a farmer or a doctor or a lawyer or whatever you are, or whatever your job is, whatever God's put you in, you have to believe that that's what God called you to do. He wants you to do it for the glory of God. Whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. That's what the Bible said. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. But see, people value success instead of service. J.C. Penney was very successful and has been over the years because he valued service of people. And he was the one who coined that phrase, the customer is always right. And it's customer service. Now, how many of you know that that's a joke now? Customer service. And it's service. But where men value success reaching great heights, God values service. He said, you're to love one another. You're to care one for another. You're to pray one for another. You're to minister one to another. You're to edify one another. John says this in the first John. He said, how many of you who have have this world's goods or whatever, and and you see a brother or sister who has a need, and you shut up the bowels of your compassion. How dwelleth the love of Christ to him? You see, God values not success, but service, ministering to others. The things of God and things of man. How do you think? Do you you spend your time trying to decide what are you going to do that's going to be fun? What are you going to do that's going to be entertaining? How are you going to satisfy this need, that need? Is that your whole life? Or do you think about the spirit part of man? Contrast the time that you spend on on food or eating or whatever to how much time you spend in the Bible, prayer. How, How many of us, we spend all of our whole life trying to get and gain, do those things, and yet very little ministering and helping and meeting needs of others. The Lord values the service rather than the success. Men value fortune, but God values faith. He didn't say when the Lord Son of man comes, will he find fortune in the earth? He said when he comes, will he find faith in the earth? Nothing wrong with you working. Nothing wrong with you having your daily needs met. Nothing wrong with you having a retirement or IRA. I believe that's right. The Bible says a man ought to lay up for his children, for his heritage, for his grandchildren. Nothing wrong with those things. But what is it that satisfies you? What is it that gives you pleasure? What is it that is the savor of your life? What is it that you focus more on than anything else? What is it that's meeting your needs? Is it your fortune or faith to believe the Lord and trust God and walk in faith and not by sight? And to believe the Lord and trust Him. Know that He's your supply. He's able. He's going to meet that need. God values your faith. God values your faith more than fortune. Men value time. God values eternity. I hear people say, I don't have time. Never been a truer statement in all the world. I don't have time. You don't have time. Time is not in your hands. It's in his hand. But where men value time, God values eternity. It's not now. It's out there that makes the difference. You ought to redeem the time because the days are evil. You ought to use it wisely. And men value their time. And they're going to give themselves to whatever they love. And their, the days of their lives, the time will be applied to what's in their heart. How much time do you give to the Lord? How much time do you give? How much of your time do you live in light of eternity? What's going to make a difference down the road? I was in Raleigh the other day, Brother Fred Sawyer and I. I took Fred by downtown Raleigh to a place where they work on big trucks. His work truck was being worked on and they had it ready and I took him down there. And when I, I went down in behind, uh, down in old part of Raleigh and we, we, I dropped him off. As I pulled out the drive, I was watching for traffic and there's a marker there. And it said right here near this site is where the city of Raleigh was surrendered to Sherman. And there's a mechanic workshop there. And there are people running all up and down through there. And I I sit there and I watch people come and go. And I said, these people could care less. They don't know. And really, Sherman's dead. And all the people who surrendered Raleigh are dead. And now there's a whole new crew down there. And life goes on. I'm not belittling what happened that day. It was one of the darkest hours in the history of our country, the Civil War. And for our state would be the surrender of Raleigh, the state capital. But things are different now because men record history in segments of time, but God sees things in eternity. What you value now and what you give your time to now, a hundred years from now, will not matter, most of it. And God's looking beyond now to eternity. How much of your life do you live thinking about the things of a man or thinking like God thinks? Men value fortune. Men value time. Men values the body. God values the soul. The body was created by God. I believe God will give us a brand new body. But we put so much emphasis on the physical and very little on the soul of man. God values the soul of man. He says in this passage of scripture, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? You spend all your time gaining education, all your time to your career, all of your mental ability to learning how to be better at what you do. And all those things. You, you've tried to exercise and discipline yourself and eat right and do all those things to extend your days. And yet it's catching up with you day after day, day after day after day. And in spite of all you're doing, you don't seem to be accomplishing much. Men put emphasis on the body. God puts emphasis on the soul. But I wonder how much time you spend in your, on your soul. What would it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? What would a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, remember what started all this conversation. Who do men say that I am? Simon Peter said, you're the Christ. But Christ went on to say then what he was going to do to redeem fallen man. And Paul... and, and. Peter rebuked him, said, Lord, you can't do that. You're the Christ. You're the king. You're the anointed of Israel. You're the one who's going to rule. He said, you don't understand. He said, there's no way for a man to be saved unless I die and am buried and rise again. That's the way that they're going to have their soul saved. What can you give to exchange for your soul? Nothing. What can you do to earn salvation? Nothing. It's what he's doing. You see, you got to think like God thinks. If you think like a man, you'll think, well, I I can do this and I can do that and I can do the other. I've got to do my very best. But that's not work. And that's what he told Peter. He said, Peter, you're thinking like a man instead of thinking like the Lord. You're thinking like man thinks instead of what God thinks. God says this, I'm going to send my son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoso believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Man values labor and work. And God values faith and acceptance. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. What is it that God values? What is it man values? Man is interested in earthly joy and temporal pleasures. The pleasures of sin for a season. But God's promised joy and happiness for all eternity and peace for all eternity. Man just have a short lived thing. The Bible said the pleasures of sin... For season, There are pleasures in sin for a season, but it wrecks lives, ruins lives, and damned souls for all eternity. And God said, I want to give you joy and I want to give you peace for all eternity and a peace that the world cannot take away. I don't care what happens in the stock market. I don't care what happens anywhere. That's the way God thinks. God said, "I'm I'm going to give you something that your joy is not built on happenings. It's not built on your bank account. It's not built on your retirement. I give you a peace and a joy that's beyond any of that. If you learn to think like I think, man thinks about the praise of men and he, th- and God emphasizes the praises of God. Well done thou good and faithful servant. You want to, you want to please men or you want to please God? And then in this passage of scripture, men are looking for security now. And the Lord said, there's a blessing for eternity in a place called heaven. What's your, what, how do you think? What do you think about your life? How are you thinking about your life? Are you seeking the things of men or the things of God? What, what's a, what is a motivating factor in your life? Let me tell you something about things and I'll be through. Number one, I want to remind you there's a tyranny to things. It's very possible that things will begin to own you instead of you owning things. And you'll get so caught up in things that you will not only not take time, but you won't have time for what's important. And that is your spiritual life. And some of you are there now. You've got yourself caught in such a trap that you cannot come to church faithfully. You can't serve God. You can't give. You can't do anything because you've built your life around things. And now you don't own things. They own you. There's a tyranny to that. Tyranny to that. I want to remind you that there's a, there's a temporalness to things. That means they don't last very long. First Peter says, second Peter says this, that the things of this world will melt with a fervent heat. What you've given your life to and what now owns you is only to last for a short time. And there's a tragedy to things. This night thy soul shall be required of thee, and then who shall these things be? That that you've given your life to, your energy to, everything to, the moment you die belongs to somebody else. Job said, I came naked into the world and I'll leave out of here naked. I won't take a thing with me. I won't take a thing with me. But you know what Paul said? Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind, I press on toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God. And he said, all those things I count as nothing that I might find Christ, might know Christ. Things of God, things of man. I want you to bow your heads for prayer. With our heads bowed, and eyes are closed right now. Several years ago, Doctor George W. Truitt, who was a famous Baptist preacher, visited a farming landowner in the state of Mississippi. He owned thousands and thousands of acres of land. He had Doctor Truitt to his beautiful colonial mansion home all the elegance that you could ever possibly have, wealth and investments, art, finery in the home. They stood there on the porch and the man said to Dr. Truett, Dr. Truett, as far as you can see this way toward the rising sun, he said, that's mine. I own that. And they turned around and he said, back here are the sun sets in the west behind my home. And he said, as far as you can see to the west, I own that. And he said, Dr. Truett, here to the north where you see the mountains on the horizon or the the rise of the terrain, he said, I own as far as you can see. And he said, then back down toward the Gulf. He said, I own all the way as far as you can see, all the way to the Gulf. Dr. Truett stood just a moment and looked the man in the eye and he said, Sir, I want to ask you a question. He said, to the east and to the west and to the north and to the south, you've got great treasure. But then he pointed straight up and he said, but what do you have that way? What have you got up there? I want to challenge you, and this is my heart this morning, that you and I have to be careful as saints of God not to savor the things of man instead of the things of God, not to find joy and satisfaction only in that and to forget what God thinks is important. And for those of you here this morning, you don't know Christ. Can I tell you what's really, really valuable? What's more valuable than anything this world, it's more valuable than gold. It's more valuable than, than anything this world has. It's your soul. Because you see, we're not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. The most valuable thing in the world is your soul. Because your soul was purchased by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He places great value on you every boy, every girl, every man, every woman in the sound of my voice. You're worth more than all the whole world to God. You're worth the blood of his dear son. He loves you. He died for you. He wants you to be saved. And anybody this morning who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and call upon him can be saved. He wants you to be saved. For those who are lost, I would encourage you right now. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Receive him. The most important thing in your life is not your education, it's not your jobs, not your family relationships. It's your relationship with the Lord, whether you're saved or not. That's the only thing that really matters for all eternity. For those of us who are saved, I want to remind you that we all live in a body of flesh. We live in a world. If we're not careful, we'll think like the world thinks. We'll give attention to the things the world gives attention to. Nothing wrong with things. Nothing wrong with activity. Nothing wrong with those type of things. But in all that we do, we must honor Jesus. Whatsoever you hand find to do it, do it with all your might for the glory of God. You ought to do it for God's glory. You ought to acknowledge the fact that you don't own anything. It all belongs to Him. You ought to give Him credit for every success you ever have in life. We must teach our children to think like God thinks. Not the acquisition of wealth. Nothing wrong with having retirement. But it's a matter of service. Being a blessing to others. To give. And it shall be given unto you. To show the love of Christ in your life. That's what really makes the difference. And that joy and peace does not come from things of this world. But from the blessing of God. While we have our heads bowed, our eyes are closed. The message has been very simple this morning. I trust God spoke to your heart. I asked Him to, and I felt like He spoke to my heart. I want us to stand together. I wonder in this building, while we have our heads bowed this morning, is there a man or woman or boy or girl who'd say to me, Brother Billy, I am not saved. If I died right now, I do not know I'd go to heaven. And Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. Anybody in the building, man, woman, boy, girl, who'd say to me, Brother Billy, I'm not saved. I want you to pray for me right now. Anybody in the building like that? Anybody in here? Raise your hand right, right back now. Appreciate so much you being here today. How many of you would say as I would acknowledge that, preacher, I have a problem sometime. Get my eyes on the world. Get my eyes on things and and I, I, I have fear instead of faith. I don't think like God thinks. Sometimes I think like a man thinks. I think that I got to be in charge and I, that everything depends on me. And, and, and I'm not thinking that without him I can do nothing. And that I need him. And preacher, I, pray, I want you to pray for me that I would seek the things of God. Seek the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added unto you. I wonder if you're here and you'd be honest this morning. You say, I'm a Christian preacher. But I'll be honest with you, what consumes my thought life and my energies and everything are things of this world and not the things of God. Would you raise your hand across the building and say, Pastor, pray for me. God bless you so many. God bless you. But put your hands down. I, you know what? When the Lord rebuked Peter then he gave him this story this illustration about what would a man give in exchange for his soul the most important thing is your spiritual life I know that if, and if you're saved you know that but we're flesh I'm going to pray with you if you'll pray with me that God will help me and all of us to put him first seek him first because that's where real joy and peace comes from our heavenly Father, I ask this morning of the Holy Ghost of God to do a work. God, I believe I obeyed you. I believe I did exactly what you want me to do. The people listened well. And God, I pray the sweet Holy Ghost of God will do that that I cannot do. For that man, a woman, boy, girl that our Father needs to look and think as Christ thinks that their soul's the most important thing. And right now, if they're not saved, I pray, God, you draw them by your grace and save them for Jesus' sake. And for those who are Christians, I pray this morning that, God, if they've been drifted and they've got so wound up in things that they forgot to serve Christ, they've not been faithful to the house of God, they've not been faithful in their giving, they've not been faithful witnessing, they've lost their joy and peace, that this morning they'd come around this old altar and God make things right with you. Now, while we have our heads bowed and eyes closed for just a few moments, let me invite you to come Christians always lead the way. You come right now. But if you're here this morning, I'm not going to keep you very long. Just let God speak to your heart. But I believe if God spoke to your heart, you will respond in some form or fashion. And so will you come right now? Maybe as a Christian, you want to come get around this altar and say, God, if the apostle Peter who walked with you for three and a half years could think like a man, I could think like a man or a woman. I could savor the things of man instead of the things of God. God, I want my appetites to be toward you. I want my joy to be toward you. I want my peace to be toward you. And God, it all comes from you. And God, I pray you'd make it real.